Greetings, everybody. Hello, welcome to the Word on the Hill. And we are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I am Father Peter Mossett. So we are broadcasting today live from the apocalypse. Yep, it is. Uh, it was just wonderful. We were uh, we were tracking time on the Mayan calendar. You know, we had our pushpins. And Absolutely. How do you actually tell time on the Mayan calendar is really my question. I don't know. But if you know any Mayans... Their calendar is ending today, so a new calendar might be a good Christmas gift for them. <laughs> How long does the calendar last for the Mayans? Is is my question. I have no idea. I th- I think it's like a long so, time. I think it's like an absurdly like I think it's like fifteen hundred years or something. But there's been like fourteen different ends of the world for them, haven't there? Or ends of eras. Yes. Ends of calendars. It's it's kind of like uh, the Lord of the Rings. We've entered into the uh, the third age, into the fourth age. We've gone to the Grey Havens and um, Grey Havens. That's where we are. Yep. Are you are you a, a Lord of the Rings geek at all? No. Do I mean, you... I'm, I'm no, I'm not. Harry Potter. Harvey Porter. No, I'm not. I don't. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. No. Twenty four. I used to like twenty four until I realized that every season is actually the same. Show <laughs> every single time. <laughs> the world is ending. Jack Power is the only one who can do anything about it, and he's in prison or on a ship someplace, and, and there's nobody, no way he can do it. Yeah, and, and and nobody actually listens to him. If if anybody actually <laughs> listened to Jack Bauer, the season would last two episodes. It would. It would be done twenty minutes. Yeah, and yeah. that's it's a real shame. I I, I like Lost. Uh, I was a big Lost fan. It lost me at the end. Seriously, uh, I'm uh, sorry. You know, it used to be considered that the pun was the highest form of humor in no, the world. No, that was not true. Is, no. Is that true? Really? No, hey. maybe. I'm just saying no because I think puns are... No, I use puns all the time. Are you just making that up? I am making that okay. up. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> no, I do like Lord of the Rings. I want to clarify for our listeners. I'm not a, I'm not a Lord of the Rings geek, per se, but I do like it, but from a well, layman's point of view. My question is... is, is um, at what point do you go from being just a normal Lord of the Rings enjoyer into somebody who maybe is a li- is a little bit much? The costumes. Once costumes. you start wearing dwarf ears, dwarf ears. I think there's no going back. Yeah, I think I think it actually might be learning an actual language from Middle Earth. <laughs> like like if you can read like runes from Middle Earth or yeah. speak Elvish or Dwarvian. I don't know. I, you've you've gone pretty far. I, I think the line is way before that. Once you're once you're taking the time to learn the language, you've gone far past it. You know, I, I started reading the Cimmerillion, which is the kind of Old Testament to the Lord of the Rings New Testament. Oh, okay. And it's it's just all the back end. And sorry, it's like a whole book just on. Yeah, and I remember sitting at my desk, like making maps of relationships, and I was like. I, th- I think I'm in yeah, a little you're, you're a little way, far. You're way far. And then I would put on the audio book while I read the book so that I could get the pronunciation of the names. And yeah, we're talking about this because, uh, the, you know, when you're uh, listening to the time capsule, um, you know, in uh, 2092, uh, The Hobbit, uh, the, the first uh, the first book before The Lord of the Rings that he, he, he started out um, was uh, the movie just came out. And, and I don't like it. 
Can you believe that? I love Lord of the Rings, but man, it looks like a puppet show because Shoot. it's all shot in 60 frames per second versus the 24, so it doesn't have that kind of natural cinematic uh, thing. So I, I, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. But you're not a lover. But I'm not a lover. I'm a lover, not a fighter. What? what? That's a shame. Well, so this is... Our podcast is going to be included in the time capsule, right? It is. It is. Good. Yeah. Um, it, it's when the next Mayan calendar ends. They're actually, it's going to be included Good. on the satellite that they, they shoot out um, back to Earth. Good. Because Perfect. we will have been living on a, another planet. Good. That's mostly made of methane. <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't I don't either. Well, uh, welcome to all of you, especially the Baselli family, who I think all of you uh, listen oh, to I us. I love the Baselli family. Yeah, they, it's wonderful. We, I mean, we're, we've gone international with them. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we, we're, uh, we're, you know, in London, what we represent. Well, we have some stuff today. We, we, stuff we, are, we are like literally on the precipice of the fourth Sunday of Advent Christmas. We're about to drop in. I, I think they should actually just call it fourth Sunday of Advent Christmas. Because slash. Sl- <laughs> is it hyphenated or slashed? No, man, it's literally one word. Just because, <laughs> just because it's it's so close that yeah. I really hope people come to mass on on Sunday. We have to look at this first. Uh, how do you want to start today? I mean, like, to, let's talk about Micah. We, you know, we we usually start in the first. I mean, because that's good. We get the background. Yeah, and I think that's good. And uh, I know you have you love the the God. Well, I love the gospel too, but. I, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty sweet. This is one of your favorites. Gospel freaks my brain out. So, Micah, you know, it's, it's just funny. So, <laughs> once again, when we started this podcast on the first Sunday of Advent, we said all the Old Testament readings come from <laughs> Jeremiah. Not one of them, except for the first Sunday, has, but they're all connected to him, right? So they're all related. Actually, Micah is weird. I was trying to figure out how is Micah related to Jeremiah because I knew he had to be if the church put him in here. Micah was actually a contemporary of Isaiah, which was about a generation before Jeremiah. Oh. So he's living he's living in Isaiah's time. They're they're kind of contemporaries. So Jeremiah probably knows who he is, but I found this there's a one little passage and it's in the book of Jeremiah. I think it's in chapter 26, but I don't have it in front of me. Where um they're they're trying to condemn Jeremiah and say how dare you speak against the temple and speak against these things and declare judgment blah blah blah. And then somebody speaks up and they're like, "Wait a second, didn't some guy about a generation ago do the same thing?" And we believed him and we listened to him and actually worked out and they're quoting Micah. So in Jeremiah's, the charges they're leveling against him, they're actually quoting Micah in Jeremiah's defense. So he's kind of speak in a certain, in a certain sense, he's kind of in the shadow of, of Jeremiah or of Micah, Jeremiah is. Micah's foundational for Jeremiah. Micah's foundational for Jeremiah. Thank and, you. And, and, it, and it, give, it gives him precedent so yeah. that he can actually engage his ministry. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. It, it totally does. So it's a cool book, but, but it starts out um, saying, thus says the Lord, you Bethlehem Ephrathah. Too small to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth from me one who is to be the ruler of Israel. So this is a, a really famous passage talking about Bethlehem being the place that the ruler is going to come from. By the way, it points out it's it's weird. And this is this is going to be a bummer for all the lectors across the world this Sunday who are going to totally not know how to pronounce <laughs> Ephrathah and wonder why it's in there. There were a bunch of different Bethlehems all over the ancient world at the time. Bet just oh. meant house. And Lachem was was bred. So it actually is a pretty common name. So Ephrathah is just pointing out that it's this particular Bethlehem. It's not any of the other Bethlehems, but it's that one. It's that one that happened to be right near Judah. And Bethlehem, or the um, 
Bethlehem was in Benjamin, which was the smallest tribe by far. It was tiny. Benjamin was uh, in the northern tribe, southern tribe. Southern tribe. Southern tribe. He was so actually the only, it was the only other tribe that didn't abandon Jerusalem when yeah. the northern tribe broke off. So is is Benjamin and Judah. Benjamin and Judah. They were, and and Ju- Benjamin was so little, it just kind of absorbed itself into Judah. So when people talk about the Jews, they're talking about the tribe of Judah as well as little Benjamin, which just got absorbed in. But it, it's kind of cool. Later on, St. Paul makes a huge stink about being from the tribe of Benjamin. Remember that? Yeah. So when he's giving his defenses, he was like, I was a Pharisee. I killed a Christian. I was so zealous. I loved the Torah. And I was from the tribe of Benjamin, which he uses as this kind of big thing in his resume. And the reason he does that, I always wondered about that. Why? Because it's a really insignificant tribe. Mm-hmm. But the reason he does that is because they were the only ones who were faithful to Jerusalem. They were the only group in the family of Israel, aside from Judah, that didn't abandoned them and they didn't leave the temple and didn't start worshiping other stuff. So it's kind of a big deal. So they're still around. Bethlehem is there, but who is from Bethlehem? Who's the only person? There's only one person in the biblical story that has any reference or significance to Bethlehem. Um, Jesus. Before Jesus. <sighs> David. David, right? And David. what was David doing when God found him or when God kind of called him out? He was in Bethlehem and he was doing something with the sheep. shepherding. Yeah, he was a shepherd. Yeah, so Bethlehem, if you're an Old Testament person, you're thinking the reference for Bethlehem, oh, this is the place where David was a shepherd. Yes. It was David's shepherding place. Um, it was super insignificant. That's what this whole reading is about, right? About how it was little, but despite its littleness and its kind of seemingly insignificance, God's going to raise up a ruler from it. And everybody in the Old Testament times, they're thinking, oh, a shepherd. This is where shepherd kings come from, because that's what David was all about. Mm. But I want to back up just a second. I just okay. want to say a word about this, because back it up, I was kind of digging. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, Bethlehem. Then the gospel is about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Okay. is that? But there's got to be more to the mm-hmm. connection here. So I did a little bit of digging, and if you back up, the, the, you get we're, we get set up. Mike is really small. It's only about five chapters, I think. Well, you, this is this is actually this keeps happening to us where yeah. where we get a section of scripture, yeah, and um, and we actually are to understand it. You're forced into the Catholic reading of scripture, totally. which is which is to you know when you read one word, that word isn't isolated. It's Absolutely. in a sentence. And that sentence is in a paragraph, and that paragraph is in a section, and that section is in a chapter, which is in a book, which is in the whole context. And so whenever you're going like, what in the Sam Hill is going on (laughs) with these readings, you always, you move one level up and you just say, okay, hold on, what's the context? What's the context? And then. And, uh, and so, so that's, that, I just love that. And oh, that's awesome. the only way to get it. It's the only way to get it. Otherwise you're just going to be lost or miss, miss a lot of the, the depth. Yep. So what we get is the very end of the book of Micah. There's three sections to Micah and they're all scholars think it's kind of laid out like a lawsuit. God is ticked off at his people. He's like, you guys have blown it. <laughs> these are the three major reasons why. And he lays out these lawsuits. Oh. And you know, there's a there's a scholar, one of the saints actually talked about Micah being all about kings. And there's this movement in the book of Micah. It starts out talking about all the bad kings. It then moves into the the good. It, it, it's around the time of Hezekiah, who was one of the only righteous kings of the Old Testament. So it starts talking about the bad kings. It moves into this time of a pretty decent king, and the book ends pointing ahead to the best king, pointing mm. to Jesus and having these. Uh, prefigurements of him. So it's kind of a neat movement, but it's all about these kings. But if you back up to the beginning of the last part of the book of Micah, it's in chapter three, and it actually starts like this. It says, and I said, hear you heads of Jacob and you rulers of the house of Israel. So the kings, is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love the evil, you tear the skin from my people 
and their flesh from their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones and chop them up like meat in a kettle, like flesh in a cauldron. <laughs> Merry man. Christmas. But this is speaking against the kings and the kings call themselves the shepherds of the people. So what this is saying is that the shepherds of the people, the ones that God chose to actually shepherd the flock yeah. are, as it says here in chapter three, pretty gruesomely, they're actually eating their flock. So they're being the worst shepherds imaginable. They're destroying their people. They're turning them, you know, and, and analogously, they're, they're kind of eating them. And Thanks. because of that, it's going to turn ahead toward this new shepherd who's going to come from Bethlehem, who's going to be different than that. And that all this is going to change. Um, what it goes on to say from there in chapter chapter three, if you keep reading chapter three, there's this language that says, I cried out to the Lord and he, oh, actually, no, it says, I, I cry, they'll cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He'll hide his face from them. There's all these Psalms that are all about crying out to the Lord and the Lord hearing them, yep. showing his face. This is actually all the opposite of that. We're gonna, you're going to cry out to the Lord and he's not going to answer you and you're going to not see his face, which is interesting because if you go and read the responsorial Psalm for today, what does it say? It says, Lord, make us turn to you. We Let us see your face and we shall be saved. I've, so in been, other words, I've been given uh, penances for people to contemplate the face of Christ. Really? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Because it's because that's actually, that's the key. It is. And that's what this is saying. So this is the responsorial psalm. If you have the, the bigger picture, it's answering the book of Micah, which is saying you're not going to see his face. And the people's answer, you know, in their hearts is, well, how long? Why, why are you hiding yourself from us? Like Moses, like God said to Moses. And he's like, well, no, I want to see your face. And the psalm is going to say, no, 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 there will come a time when he will show his face again. But it's all going to come from this tiny little place of Bethlehem. There's going to be a new kind of shepherd. And it all kind of sets us up, which I think is a perfect segue into the gospel reading. Mm, my favorite. Your you, favorite. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody came to me the other day and they said, Father, why are you uh, pretending to not know the answers on the, the podcast? And I was like, um, <laughs> just because, you know, I want to make Scott look good. That's actually what, I, that's what I've been doing. It's, we talked about this. I was going to stop using the Socratic method with you. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. It's okay. I hate the Socratic method, but uh, because uh, sometimes uh, I just am not quick it's on not my nice feet. It's not nice to put people on the spot. Yeah, unless you want to like reveal that they don't know anything. <laughs> that's <laughs> not what I'm trying to do. No, no, that's that's oh. this is an adventure. We are all learning here together. But if you do it again, I'm going to cut your legs out from underneath you. <laughs> I think didn't we discover we were talking about this last week? Jesus uses the Socratic method a lot, but it's usually only to point out how stupid the Pharisees are. Oh yeah, describes. and yeah, just to reveal their hearts, and they're like, "Oh, I'm done." But that, it's okay. He doesn't do that with his disciples, though. He just tells them. Yeah. He doesn't make them work for it. Sorry, man. That's okay. I'm going to stop doing that. I go to Absalva. Cool. So we end up at Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 45, mm -hmm. where Mary sets out in haste to the hill country. Indeed. This is a great passage. It's, it really is. I mean, when, when, you, when we're talking about a, an openness to understand who Mary is, totally. this is the moment. Totally. You know what's cool? I, I love the way it begins. It says, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste. To a town of Judah. Now, I mean, again, like you said, we got to put this in the bigger picture. I was just about to ask you a question, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but if you know the story, I want to ask you so. <laughs> okay, just ask me. What happened right before this? So right before Mary sets out, what just happened to her? Annunciation. The Annunciation just finished. So imagine this. You're Mary. You're like, what, 13, 14-year-old girl or something, this peasant girl. You just found out you're pregnant or you're going to be pregnant. Yes. You, you're you not married. You didn't <laughs> you have no reason to be pregnant yep. on a physical level. So what's the first thing you do? You're going to set out in haste to go help your cousin. 
man, it's the best gift God could give her in this moment. Yeah, it's Beca- true. Because if anything that I, I know is uh, pregnant women also have a lot of emotions. Yeah. Their hormones are doing weird stuff. Their totally. bodies are changing. Like all of a sudden you, you totally. got, and, and one of the best ways to actually um, deal with the, the uh, emotional state of stuff is to actually get into service and to help. Totally. It continually, I mean, my dad always says that, just get into service. Well, and it's so, so hard to do though. I mean, you something super big happens to you and all I want to do is just sit myself and think about myself. And Mary does the exact opposite. She's like, I'm going to go serve Elizabeth. I'm going to go serve Elizabeth. Who are probably, there's traditions out. that say that, I don't know if this, but there's some small T traditions that say that Mary's parents uh, died when she was young and that Zachariah and Elizabeth actually became kind of surrogate parents for her. Oh. So it's actually natural that she would kind of go and stay with them. And I mean, again, also imagine you just found out you're pregnant. You didn't do anything to cause this. It, this is a weird, you're going to be shunned. You're going to be looked at weird. So you go off to be with family to kind of take refuge for a while, which is kind of a beautiful idea too. It's awesome. And and if you look into what's actually happening, this is one of the things that's exciting as, as the preface for what we're about to see with Mary is that... Um, in the stellar events, because if you actually track back from some of the scholarship talking about the star of Bethlehem, yeah, what is what is that star? And you start to track back, then you end up in June. If if we're if we're in, let's say December the twenty fifth, uh-huh. and Jesus is uh, is born then, then we're looking and we're back going to be in, in June. So this is actually a great time to travel and to go through the hills and. To be able to engage and yeah. say, I, I can actually That's do really some of cool. that. One of the really kind of cool things is that, uh, and I won't go into the full stellar experience of everything, even though I would love to. You have uh, an event, uh, possibly the 7th of June, that uh, in 3 BC of um, uh, Revelation uh, chapter 11 or 19, behold a woman, uh, uh, 12, no. 12, it's, it's 11, 12, it's 11, right? 12, yeah. 11, 12. It's yeah. right on the border. They did a weird, they did a weird thing. They said, behold the Ark of the Covenants chapter in the sky. Chapter divisions are not inspired by God. <laughs> Scripture is, but chapter divisions are not. Yeah, chapter divisions are not. They are applied from the outside. Those chapter division people. So poor monks having to figure this out. I know. Guys are. And so you look into the sky and it says, uh, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is there. Yeah. It's a woman clothed with the sun, right. surrounded by 12 stars, right. moon at her feet. And the the constellation Virgo, yeah. which is virgin yeah. in, in, old, in old world Latin, <laughs> in, case, in case you're, you're wondering. Don't mock me, dude. I'm not mocking you. How good. am I mocking you? you? Oh, you're good. You figured it out. I'm like, <laughs> no, I Virgo. I couldn't remember what language it was. I got to brain stupidness for a minute. I know I did too, actually. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, Virgo is virgin in Greek, in case you guys are wondering anything. Do you know there's a medical condition if you're out in the wilderness and you're beginning to get dehydrated and elements start to get you? You can develop a medical condition that's technically called dumb brain. Really? Dumb brain. Which is exactly what it sounds like. We're going to start to get stupid. We're going to pause the podcast for a second and go drink a glass of water um, because I got the dumb brain. So (laughs) we'll see you again next week on The Word on the Hill. Are we really pausing? No. (laughs) (laughs) I just, man, so. so I totally did. I'm sorry. You're forgiven. Thank you, man. You see in the sky uh, the constellation Virgo at at around 7.45 p.m., 
Okay. The sun actually enters into the space where the where the, it is, so that it's actually right at the center you of the constellation Virgo. The and then the moon is in a crescent shape at the feet of the constellation Virgo. You're kidding? No, I didn't know about the moon thing. You told me about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and it oh. actually and it actually happens at the end of a cycle of some stars coming into uh, conglomeration, which began on Rosh Hashanah the Holy year before. Cow. And so if you trace those dates and put them together, then you actually have the birth of Jesus right at the 25th of December in, in relationship with, I mean, it's, it's some beautiful stuff. Whoa. And so, so the reason why I'm saying this is because when we're traveling into the hill country, we're going to be eliciting, eliciting from people who understand the scriptures, who this is their context in the worldview, right. something very, very specific from the Old Testament. Wow. That's awesome. Do you know, know what do you know what the reference don't is? Pull this on me. This is what I do to you. <laughs> don't be Socratic. <laughs> Come on, man. You gotta you gotta try. Dig deep. It's Look second inside. Samuel. Or first is it first Samuel or second Samuel? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when the ark travels to to the hill country. It's second Samuel chapter six. I have to look at my book. Yes. Yeah, second Samuel six. This is this is great. This is mind blowing, I think. It's the best ever. Because Mary becomes the evangelatrix. Hold on, how do I Ooh. say that right? Evangelatrix. Wow. I can't even say it I've right. I've never heard that term. I haven't even... I, mean, I can deduce what it... <laughs> that's a cool term. Yeah, it is. The, the, wow. the first one to bring the good news. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is sweet because... I mean, so what happened in Second Samuel 6? Catch us up. So we have um, David, who's actually wanting to bring yeah. the ark back to Jerusalem. Right. Right, and because it, it's been with the Philistines, right? It's been with the Philistines, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they want to have a triumphal reentry. But right. but but to do that, he kind of is going on a tour yeah. in the hill country yeah. for how long? Three months. Three months. This is awesome, isn't it? Do you it's know what he best. says at the beginning of it? Uh huh. He says when he gets the ark back, he actually says the words, "How is it that the ark of my Lord should come to me?" Which is precisely mm. what Elizabeth says when Mary shows up. Oh. So they actually say virtually the same words, which is crazy. And yeah, so for three months. And then what does David do before the ark? Well, he strips down into his underwear and, oh, yeah. and, and does a jig. He does a jig. You... <laughs> <laughs> Some scholars have whittled it down and simply say he leaps. He leaps. Which is precisely what John the Baptist does in Elizabeth's womb when so we, Mary shows up. So we actually have an image of David Man, before awesome. the ark and then uh, uh, John the Baptist before Jesus, oh, that's awesome. which is in the ark. In the ark, see, because what Sweet. happens is we see a portent in the sky, the ark of the new covenant, and it's actually the signal of the annunciation. Now, yes. this is awesome. Now, Scott, what was in the ark? What was in the original ark? The the uh, tablets, the stone tablets. So the right? wor word of God, the word written. of God, Aaron's rod, Aaron's rod, the priestly rod, the priestly rod, and the showbread, showbread. The oh. so you have the bread from heaven. Wow. You have the word of God written by the finger of God. And the priests. And the priestly and the priesthood. Wow, that's awesome. And I will take from you your I, know, I, connect that. I will take from you your stony hearts, and I will give you a living heart. Do you know what? That's awesome. That's what? really, really awesome. It's, it's the best. I just saw something else in my notes that I have sprawled in front of me. Sprawled. They really are sprawled. I mean, actually, I almost, he dropped them all over the floor earlier. And... <laughs> but check this out. So I, I, this is a chicken scratch written over here. When Elizabeth says, the mother of my Lord, how is it the mother of my Lord should come to me? Uh -huh. The term mother of my Lord 
actually hasn't been used since the Davidic kingship fell with the Queen Mother. The last time that title was used, the Mother of My Lord, was with the Queen Mother, who is the Mother of the King, which was the special role in the Davidic Kingdom. So Elizabeth bestows on Mary this royal title that actually hasn't been used in like centuries. So she knows what's up. She's applying this term, which is huge. She also calls her blessed among women. Remember that? Oh. Which only appears in the Bible three times. There's only three people in the entire Bible who are called blessed among women. And they are, let me think. So they're Judith. Ruth. No, not not Ruth. Oh, it's not Ruth. It's Judith. Judith. J.L. J.L. And Mary. And Mary. And what do they all have in common? They all struck at the head of the enemy army yeah. for a victorious sweeping defeat. Yeah. So it's such a, such a strange title, right? I mean, it's the JL and Judith, they crushed the heads, they stuck spears to the heads of enemy leaders. And a, yeah, spear, sword, a spear and a sword. What I want to do because at one point I'm going to do a church renovation over here at St. Thomas Aquinas, but I want to do a stained glass window and it's just above it. Blessed are you among women. And I want to have those three scenes. Isn't there is one in. No, well, I don't know the name of the town. You've been to the Holy Land. I haven't, as we pointed out many times in this podcast, but there's uh, <laughs> the, the site that I think is believed to be John the Baptist's birthplace. Uh-huh. There is an ancient, ancient church, like from the second or third century uh-huh. with a big picture of Mary in the middle. Mm-hmm. And she's flanked by Judith and JL on each side. Are they are, are they like killing people in the scene? I don't know. Because you kind of remember. I would love to have the poised moment when they're actually doing the crushing. No, no, right. Like when they were when they're holding the implements of their victory. Oh, and and so it's Mary's just Mary's foot. So she's just holding her foot. <laughs> she's just holding. She's stretching like she was doing an insanity workout <laughs> nice. with Shanti. Yeah, like. <laughs> No, no, Mary's holding Jesus, JL with the spear and that's cool. And with the sword. And I mean, and, and then, cool. but they all have to have the look of like determination of that moment. That's awesome. We could, we need to call up Our Lady Queen of the Head Crusher Parish. <laughs> you know what else? Talk to me. So it says, uh, it goes on. So there's, she greets Elizabeth, or yeah, she greets Elizabeth. Um, John the Baptist leaps. Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women. She said, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Oh, where does she say it? That's in verse. Oh yeah, there it is. It's in verse 42. She cried out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. Uh-huh. The only time that that word, it, it's the it's the Greek word exclaimed. Anapanem, uh, I think is, is how it's pronounced in Greek. It's only used six times in the Greek oh. Old Testament. And it's always used by Levitical priests who are praising God before the ark. So Levitical priests, when they're standing before the ark, they no. use that word. It's the only time that that word is used. And what what's Elizabeth's heritage, remember? She's a, 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 a um, Levite. She's a Levite, which is really cool. So she's using this Levitical term. It's crazy. I think it's, I think it's sweet. What what is the, so that exclamation is only before the ark, but since the ark is lost, we have to actually look for the new ark. Yeah, which means nobody said this in who knows how long, and all of a sudden Elizabeth's crying out these things that nobody has spoken. Ah, uh, well, and what's beautiful is that we to go back into Micah and what's actually Micah is saying. There's a, the line says, and when she is who when she who is to give birth has born, yeah, and the rest of his kindred shall return to the children of Israel. Oh, that's sweet. 
So it's it's this it's it's like the singular power. It's almost it's like the Big Bang of existence of just of just everything condensing into a single moment, exploding out to draw awesome. all people back together again. And then we have a shepherd who's not going to eat his people, right? Who's not? <laughs> but I don't want to get weird. Okay, but we're going to feast on the shepherd, which which I've never just until this moment I didn't think about that. The shepherds used to eat their people. Now his people are going to eat, eat the, the shepherd. shepherd, which sounds really weird to say, but that's crazy. But it's not going to bring death. It's going to bring life. That's an interesting connection, isn't it? It is a very interesting connection. And his greatness will reach the ends of the earth and he wow. shall be peace. Wow. He shall be peace. And I will tell you, a worthy reception of the Eucharist, a worthy reception of our shepherd is peace. I don't know a time when I haven't, you know, because it's yeah. a struggle to get to mass. It's gonna be a struggle for some people. They're gonna be like, totally. "Do I have to really go to mass?" Um, I already listened to the podcast. I basically went to mass. I went to mass. That's not a big deal. And so, you know, you went Sunday, and then I have to go Monday and Tuesday. I mean, is this what I really have to do? And then, you, and then, but then the thing is, is that the work it takes to get there yeah. bears fruit in peace. Totally. Because the the shepherd wants to feed us, and he That's wants true. to he wants to actually take from us the stony hearts of the law, and actually give us the living heart of the Eucharist. If you can somehow convey that to my two year old son Samuel, who screams through mass at the top of his lungs, to just have <laughs> peace, that would be good. To just have peace, he's going to break away one of these days and literally come up into the sanctuary. He is wanting it. He, he loves you. Yeah, he wants I, to get up there. He's always shouting hallelujah. It's going to get awkward during Lent. He will grow many, many miles before then. Indeed. Cool. Those are some connections. So that gives you a little bit of a context for this fourth Sunday as we prepare for the birth of our King, Absolutely. for Him who is peace, who feeds us. Um, this is the word on the hill. The apocalypse. <laughs> cool. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This podcast is a production of the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center and the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought in Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org. See you next week.